Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, we'll start with some quick hitters before we kind of get into the bulk of what we want to talk about. We'll start with the positive before the negative. The number one. Well, yeah, this is a potentially positive, too. So (laughs) this could actually end up being awful. But uh, the number one corner in the country and the number one overall player in the state of Alabama, according to 24-7's composite, Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKinstry will be making his commitment this Sunday at 415 Central on CBS Sports Headquarters. Brad, he's five-star, top 25 overall player in the nation. Everybody's pretty much familiar with Kool-Aid, his final three, Alabama, Auburn, LSU. I just wanted to ask you this. In a cycle where the Alabama staff hasn't really pushed for a lot of in-state guys, Mm -hmm. uh, they they currently have none of the top five players in-state committed. Only four of their 21 total commitments are even from Alabama. Uh, does Sunday feel important to you, not only because the top corner in the country is committing, but also maybe from a, a perception standpoint and, and what that kind of brings with it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you go back to the year Justin Ross left. You know, that was part of the narrative is Alabama lets top talent go out of state. And that top talent ends around, you know, comes around and burns them. I would think you would rather a talent like Kool-Aid stay at home, whether it's you or you, uh, before he goes out of state to LSU, even though, granted, he sees that he can easily get quick playing time with what's going on at LSU. <laughs> yeah. Or you talk about Auburn where, well, I mean, he can see the cult-like reaction going on this year, so I don't know if he wants to mess with that either. So, Yeah. Uh, look, granted, Alabama struggling in state, that is not a fear that I have or I think that yeah. I will ever have <laughs> while this staff is here. And if some of the top in-state kids aren't at the top of their board, so be it. I mean, like, it's always a positive to make waves in your own state. I also, by the way, I think Deontay Lawson will end up top five in the state uh, by the end of the cycle. But, uh, like, Kool-Aid also plays at Pinson Valley. That's a notable program in the state of Alabama. So, all positives for whoever ends up with that commitment. I mean, it's not a, it's not a requirement. I agree. I mean, Saban's going to get who he wants. You know, if he targets you and you happen to be from this state, great. All right, moving on. Secondly, uh, second quick hitter, LSU. Self-imposing penalties in hopes, I guess, that the NCAA will will accept them and no other punishment will come afterwards. Uh, you know who self-imposes penalties? Who's Poor that? ass schools. <laughs> <laughs> they lose eight scholarships over two years. And they well, have lost that in the offseason anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're already at like 70 scholarships. So this is like affects their recruiting classes, basically none. Uh, no, that's eight and, players that can't transfer. Yeah, and they have also banned Odell Beckham Jr. from their football facilities for two years. Odell, you remember, Brad, was handing out cash to LSU players on the field after the national championship game. That is LSU, shocking to me. Yeah, LSU released a statement claiming that the money was fake when that happened. Guess oh, yeah. What? yeah. Yeah. We all carry around fake cash in our wallets, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, when's the last time a defending national champion – sucked as bad as what they suck and also had to uh self-impose scholarship reductions might as well throw in a bowl ban i mean just get out that you know get that out of the way so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh which i think you're bowl eligible this year if you win like three games which they may not get to i don't know, yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what i was thinking about like think about how differently this is viewed now to say a decade ago oh, uh, i'm sorry here now yeah well, let me kind of start over the eight scholarship reductions stem not only from the Odell Beckham thing, but from a booster paying Vidal Alexander's dad 
$180,000 for a job that he did not have to show up for. Must be nice. Uh, They stole money from a hospital, too, basically. Yes, right. Correct. Think about, like I was about to say, this now compared to a decade ago. That is the same exact dollar amount Cam Newton's dad was allegedly paid. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) That scandal didn't happen. Yeah, but you remember, like, that scandal seemed like the biggest story in sports that year. Because it's once you're, because really, you got to remember, you didn't have, what did you have before that that was recent? Tattoo Gate? Okay, yeah. you had $30,000, basically. Mm-hmm. And then a couple tattoos. But once people got turned on and acknowledged the fact that the SEC is the SEC, but they also, it's no different than the show pony and everything like that, you get paid. It, you lose that, that shockingness, I guess. You yeah. know, people don't care. Now, if it would have been Alabama, I can guarantee you your action, your reaction would have been a lot different even in 2020. Yeah, like there are some differences here. Vidal Alexander is not Cam Newton, obviously. Like we and we didn't found, find out when Alexander was on on a Heisman run. At, and there, like there are a lot of other factors, but people, I I think just don't really care anymore. No, they don't. They don't. Like they now, they don't I mean, they care if players are getting paid. Clay I'm kind of in the same boat. Here, Clay Travis out here looking at tile floors and. Shit. You know, just talking about, oh, that's the gallery and mall. Got to ban that Julio Jones. Oh, I yeah. mean, we've come so far. Yeah. Like, and I'm clearly biased here, but back then, I, like, I wanted to see Auburn burn to the ground. Well, I mean, it and, didn't have to be back then, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and still. But the national media was throwing out scenarios where the, the Heisman would be stripped and, and oh, the yeah. wins and the national championship would be strips, stripped. Major sanctions would follow. And I was on board. Oh, everyone and their mama had a source too. My God, it was freaking hashtag sources oh, yeah. out here. But now I, I really, I basically had that same bias with LSU, or at least close. And I, I, I honestly, I don't care that much. Like, no, if, I don't. Yeah, and if the NCAA accepted the scholarship productions and that was it, I, I don't think I'd care. Yeah, no, I don't. I really don't, and I don't know. Again, I don't know what it would take to make me care, uh, but I can tell you to make the public care, you got to get one of those hated schools. And, you know, LSU, unfortunately, it is what it is. They're not long-term hated as much as Nick Saban and his run is. So Yeah. And, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not upset about it. Like, if it hurts a division opponent and helps Alabama, which it probably will, I'm good. I, th- I think it's funny, and it would be even more funny if the NCAA thought the self-imposed penalties were not good enough. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I'm not ready to show up in Baton Rouge with a pitchfork. Like, probably I would have been a decade ago. Well, I'm always ready to do that. You let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, lastly, the, the bad news. Ugh. A blow to Nate Oates in the basketball program. Highly ranked freshman Alex Chaku tore his Achilles. He will be out for the season. If you remember, Brad, we recently talked about Chaku. 6'11", runs the floor, sh- shoots the three. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say he is a sure shot lottery pick, but he is an NBA prospect. He has NBA potential. He is on their radar. And the roster, I think, right now is deep enough to absorb this blow. But the bad run on injuries continues for the basketball program. Yeah, uh, it seems we have the opposite effect on basketball as we do football recruiting. You know, football recruiting, we complain, stuff happens. Uh, basketball, we talk good about somebody. Well, Scott Cochran type stuff happens. So, uh, this is Alabama basketball though. Has it not been that way in the last two years? Cause good Lord, it's like a sniper in a bird's nest out here picking them off. Oh, you know, the rules. 
We've had yep. too much. We've had too much good news lately. Yep, it's, and I'm telling good, you, it's always yeah. basketball that suffers. <laughs> when, when something good happens to that program, something bad is sure to follow, and so it goes. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on. Can Mac Jones get his respect nationally? Dap him up, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, hey, I saw even Desmond Howard supporting him. So you know, that's that's like seeing a freaking albino gator. So. I'm just saying, I actually listen to him, give him some props. Look, I get T-Law and Justin Fields, I get they get the hype, but... They deserve it. They do. Yeah, they deserve it, but mm -mm, they ain't Mac Jones. That's right, and by the numbers, I'm sure you've seen uh, some of the graphics put up, but Mac's first four games this season are extremely comparable to Joe Burrow's first four last season against better competition. Yeah. Yeah. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson at BYU are both on pace right now to break the all-time college football completion percentage record, which is held by Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine saying that before the season started? Nope, but I can imagine uh, he was going to have success anyways. But yeah. You know what? It just goes to show. He's a, he's a game manager. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. Speaking of like unlikely people to be giving Alabama football players props, I heard Joel Klatt say this. Oh, God. Oh, I know, but he is on, for some reason, has become the president of the Mac Jones fan club. Enjoy it. In the history of Alabama football, there have been seven games ever in which the quarterback threw over 400 yards. Three of those have come from Mac Jones in the first three, or in the last three games. Damn, I didn't realize it was only seven. Yeah, only seven. Now, I think that number would be a lot higher had Tua Tua played more than two and a half quarters every game. So I think that factors in, but still... Now Mac like Jones yards ain't nothing for him. I see it on you know the box score at the end. It's like ah, yeah, yeah, but he could have had one more hitch. So yeah, isn't it crazy? Like it's only happened seven times, and we're already <laughs> used yeah. to it because it's just, God, it's just a thing that happens it. now. I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, Mac Jones still leads the nation in, in QBR ninety six point six. Guess who currently holds the record for single season passing efficiency rating? Mm. Mac Jones yeah two two twenty point one. The record. In a finished season is 202 from Joe Burrow. Then mm. Tua, Tua at 199.4. And Kyler Murray. Yeah, Mac Jones is currently over 18 points ahead of Joe Burrow's record. 18 points. Telling you. Got to crown him. But you know what the, the most tired argument is right now? I, I, you can probably just guess this. But using who he's surrounded by to downplay oh, yeah. what he's doing. Because in the history of freaking sports, oh. ain't nobody been helped more than the Alabama quarterback <laughs> when it comes to receivers. You had it with Tua, you got it with Mac. I'm uh, sick and tired of them. Oh, me too. We'll I've heard some national. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I've heard some national guys and seen people post opinions here and there referring to the Alabama offense being so talented. And they're right. Alabama has, and this is not debatable, the top group of receivers in the country. They have arguably the top offensive line in the country. They have, at worst, a top three group of running backs in the country. And guess who's handing off to those running backs and who's throwing 50-yard lasers and dropping it like right in their hands? See, that, that makes sense if his average pass was not 13.7 yards an attempt. So. Yeah, who was putting the ball in the back of the end zone where only his man could go up and get it yeah. to put his team up 41-24 against Georgia? that's not what you're supposed to do when you have this talent, too? If you didn't yes. do this, all the word would be you're terrible because you don't. They have one of the most accurate, top, playmaking quarterbacks in the country, Mac Jones. Yeah, he, he is he's managing the game. That's true. But how is he managing it? 
Oh, if you don't think he's going out of his way to make a lot of these plays, buddy, I can't help you. I mean, (laughs) there's a whole difference here. But, of course, at the end of the day, they're going to create and curve the narrative to fit whatever they want. So There's three three categories that you can put a quarterback in now. It's they're either bad, they are game managers, or they're playmakers. And – when somebody when somebody in the national media calls a quarterback a game manager, it's a diss. Let's be honest. It just means like, yeah, you're okay. You're good enough. It didn't come around till AJ McCarron. So, <laughs> yeah. And look, we have had game managers at Alabama. We have God knows if anybody knows anything about game <laughs> managing quarterbacks, it is the Alabama fan base. But Mac Jones should not be what he's nope. doing should not be downplayed into that label of, oh, he's just a game manager. Yeah, because, for every example yeah. that you want to show that he is, I got three of them that he isn't. So Yes, thank you. All right. It, oh, and by the way, this is sort of a shining example of kind of how Alabama is held to a different standard nationally or, or sort of how they're viewed differently. I, I know I brought up Joe Burrow, and I'm not trying to say Mac is Joe Burrow. I'm really not. But who was Joe Burrow throwing to last season? Hey. Hey, you get these facts out of here. <laughs> <laughs> was he not throwing to Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall? Was uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire not his running back? Hey, hey, was he playing for Alabama? Then, <laughs> no, sorry. Was Randy Moss's son not lined up at tight end running past everybody every weekend? Was he not catching out weekend? touchdowns? I mean, yeah. yeah. And did anybody <laughs> ever downplay what we were seeing from Joe Burrow with our own eyeballs because of who he was surrounded by? No. No. Because He's it was easy to manager. see what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let me see. We're stop. not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> not mad about it. Uh, by the way, I was waiting for it, and I did finally see Mac at the back end of the first round on a mock draft. Yeah. yeah. By, C- by CBS. It. Yeah. Send yeah. him. I'll tell you what, there's a couple teams that try him out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think so. Uh, Mac will be facing off against Tennessee this weekend. And Brad, I will never I will never not be confused by the Tennessee football program. I just <laughs> I just I cannot figure it out. Well, what's what's it this time? Uh, if you had asked me after at halftime of Georgia, at the, Tennessee is two and a half games in at halftime of Georgia and they are beating Georgia at that half. And it, had you asked me and it was honest hour, I would have said Look, I think Tennessee's days of being a doormat in the conference, I think they were done. I would have said <laughs> I, I would have said Pruitt had them at a point where they would at the very least compete with everybody. Uh then <laughs> then the second half of Georgia happened and then the Kentucky game <laughs> happened. Yeah. And literally I mean, I mean I'm not kidding. In the span of 6 quarters of football, I went from thinking <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt was on the verge of solidifying himself at Tennessee to six quarters later questioning it, questioning if he's even the right guy, like if he's going to make it there. You already know my stance. So what's it? Wait, what if, uh, oh, yeah. Want him to come home as the defensive coordinator, though, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. No, we, we got head coach Sark over here. We ain't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it is time to move Pat. Like anybody that has Jeremy Pruitt, next coach at Alabama in their mind still, you need, you got to let go. Well, until, until I get back to that point. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> until Tennessee rises from that. Yeah. And then I'll be like, look, you idiot. I was right. Uh, but no. So talk about streaks. I mean, 
you, you have the obvious one going into this weekend, but you have the one Kentucky snap when they absolutely just demolished in all aspects, Tennessee. They even got Garantano out of this game now. Oh yeah. Well, and then, and then, uh, Shrout throws a pick on his first play <laughs> and they put Garantano <laughs> back so in. Fitting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and look, I'm not the only one with those questions either. I listen to Nashville sports talk radio some and the, and the like, is he the right guy? Is this going to work? Questions are starting to come up from not only fans, but, but media members in Tennessee. So this has been, this is like a quick, uh, I guess, turnaround, a negative well, turnaround for Pruitt. Tell you, I had a dream the other night that Pete Golden was fired. So <sighs> y'all can say what the hell you ever want to to me. That's fine. But I'm just saying, yeah. I will welcome him back with open arms as defense oh, coordinator. Absolutely. I know you keep up with the pulse of our fan base like I do. It seemed like even our fans went from thinking, hey, Jeremy Pruitt could potentially be the next head coach at Alabama, uh, the one to replace Saban when that day, day comes. We've even talked about that on this show. That has now transitioned into people thinking, if Tennessee eventually fr- fires Pruitt, <laughs> We could have the dream scenario happen, <laughs> <laughs> getting everybody's favorite defense. Hey, the band's getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting back where he belongs in Tuscaloosa. So, yeah, yeah. That God, that would just be the Blues like Brothers, dream, man. Dream scenario. Getting, getting the band back together. Yeah. All right, we brought up Garantano during A and M week, if you remember, when we were talking about Kellen Mond and how you kind of never know what you're going to get from those guys. Garantano, who has been god-awful, especially the last two games, he has shown some flashes here and there in the past, And but it, like it's year four for this guy, and he is going backwards. It's not getting any better, and I, and I thought after the end of last season, he had a chance to build on a solid finish, the solid finish that he had, and he had a chance to kind of establish himself as a starter, but he has somehow gone the wrong way. And don't be totally surprised if he's pulled at, at some point Saturday. Probably don't even be surprised if he's not starting. Yeah. I'm not going to be shocked if he doesn't start, to be honest with you. So, yeah. The end is near. I mean, it has to be. Yeah. It is. I mean, but look, like you said, I mean, he's, uh, you said Texas A&M week. He's literally one of the guys that's all over the map. He can be great and he can be absolute trash can, you know, Jeremy Johnson. So, right now we're getting a lot more of the trash than we are, you know, anything good. <laughs> yeah. So, and I hate to see it going into this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think his good his his good is not as good as Kellen Mond's good. You know what I mean? And I think Garantano's bad is is worse than Kellen's oh, yeah. bad. So I, I don't want to like compare him to Kellen Mond because I don't think he's as good, obviously. But it's, they're just sort of in that same category of what are you going to get from this guy? So you never know. Box of chocolates over here. But then again. Wouldn't shock me if Garantano looked decent this weekend because oh. of the Alabama <laughs> defense, who for some reason is, is making everybody look at least decent. Well, I mean, that's been about four years running. So, yeah. Can we just say, the, I know we didn't record after the Ole Miss week. Can we say the Ole Miss game was the worst defensive performance of the Saban era and then just sort of leave it at that? I mean, I, I it's top three. I can't. I, yeah, let's just leave it at that because I really don't want to dive into it. It's <laughs> so so bad. I'm still exhausted. Um, and I know, and look, I'm not trying to harp. I'm not trying to be just purely negative about everything. I know Georgia did not score in the second half last week, but the performance against them did not make me feel better about the defense. They made some plays in the second half. I'm not going to take that away from them. The turnovers were big. They came in crucial moments. 
But the whole scoreless second half thing to me seemed like it had a, it had a lot to do with Stetson Bennett. I was about to say you got some arm punts going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it had a whole lot with, to do with that guy being below average, and he could not make some plays that were absolutely available to for him to make. You know, I still saw him as somebody on a. Uh... God, what was it? It was College Football Live. They put a graphic up, Stetson Bennett, 40 to 1 odds to win the Heisman. I'm like, 40 <laughs> to 1? He has a 40 to 1 chance he's going to complete a pass to his own receiver in the second yeah. half. Yeah, I, like, and I know, too, I, we said after the first week, I was willing to give Pete Golding that clean slate this season. We've said it multiple times. He was dealt a horrendous hand last year with injuries, but I am so over it. <laughs> I told you I've been <laughs> so, hurt. I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, the defense at the defense at times is honestly really difficult to watch. And I remember thinking in the first half last week, it's almost becoming shocking when they make a stop on third down. Oh, when it's one hundred percent. Yeah, it's yeah. reversed in terms of psychology. Do you remember when Georgia had a fourth and two around mm-hmm. midfield in the third quarter and decided to punt? <laughs> <laughs> what I felt total relief by that decision (laughs) like i thought kirby was bailing alabama out yeah by making that decision and after that moment it was absolutely all downhill for georgia that was the turning point yeah i mean look we we know what we're gonna get for the most part we know what the ceiling's (laughs) been we know what the well we've seen the floor so far we hope it don't get you know go any lower but I, i think as long as the offense does what it does so what screw it get bailed out i know man but the but days are gone. Is, I don't know how much more we need to accept it. The yeah. days are gone. Yeah. And if Alabama shows up in Knoxville this weekend against a struggling, and I mean struggling, offense, a Tennessee offense that has scored seven total points in the last six quarters, and they can't get off the field on third downs, and Garantano gets into the end zone with ease multiple times, or or their backs are popping off five, six-yard chunks like Georgia's were, then what else would Nick Saban need to see? To make a change. I have a dream. The excuse is that they don't work this year. Nope. There's talent. There's experience. Bring Kevin Steele back. <laughs> yeah. I would be, I mean, literally, I'd be fine with anything at this, no, at this. He's going to shout out Blake Barnett. You want to, you want to end this thing on a semi-positive defensive note? Sure. Why not? Who is the SEC leader in quarterback pressures? Uh, LeBron Ray. Our guy, Will Anderson. Will Anderson, all right. He is so close so often to getting to the quarterback and does not have a single sack on the year. He's literally the conference leader in quarterback pressures and doesn't have a sack. <laughs> that's that's almost impossible to try to do. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like it's all going to happen at once. It's so close, and it's going to happen sort of in grand fashion, like – I, it just feels like he's on the verge of one of those burst-on-the-scene breakout games. Uh, he had six quarterback pressures against Georgia. Six. That's that's <laughs> damn good. It's a freshman off the edge, too. Yeah. I'm not sure how many he had against Ole Miss, but I specifically remember him diving at the feet of Matt Corral multiple times. So well, I was, too. Yeah, maybe it all comes together this weekend yeah. for him. And I, I, I mean, so. not that it hasn't. He's, he's getting there. He's... He's he's making plays. He's disrupting uh, their the plays. We have one shining just... moment. We're over here still just dead in the water. About <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We deserve nothing. Uh, yeah. 
Anyways, all uh, right. Well, all right, Will Anderson gets you a sack. Will Anderson sack coming this weekend. Happening. Yeah. It's finally going to happen. Finally. All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Tide.